The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com. Also, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And I'm telling you what, if it ain't one thing, it's another. It's always like that, isn't it? Anyway, we'll get it sorted eventually. Thank you for your patience while we're doing that. By the way, uh, I did have a... I I was going to give one of these mini PCs a try. Came the other day. Uh, hooked it up to see if we could use it, and it wouldn't power on. Or it powered on, but it wouldn't show. So we're going to get that sorted as soon as we get a refund on that one and get another one here, and we're going to see if we can sort that out, at least here for home for now, uh, because this is just becoming a problem with stuff. So anyway, I apologize for that. <laughs> SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Uh, if you want to watch the video portion of the of the uh, radio show, you can head over there and see it. That's right. You can see the face that's made for radio, and you'll see two videos at the top of the page there. The one on the left side is Bradley's show from the previous day. So if you missed that and you'd like to catch it, you can do so up until 3 o'clock Eastern, at which time he'll be live in that area. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on that. Uh, look for the rumble icon. Blow it up on your screen there. you got a little box you can do that with. And then look for the rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that. You can join us in the chat. Um... In the uh, on on Rumble on our page on Rumble, and uh, while you're there, please subscribe to that page, Sons of Liberty Radio Live, Sons of Liberty Radio Live, and then we're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page. Don't forget to sign up for our email newsletter at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. That's right there under where we're streaming live. You'll get that each day. That's all the articles we have for uh, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, including the morning show archive that's put up as well. And um, with that said, I, I want to address something real quick. Sometimes I'll address some things that I see and people may have questions about it. And so I'm, I'm going to be, I'm very transparent about these things. And I've cut off communication with certain people because they want to say I'm doing this. They want to put words in my mouth and things of that nature. People that I thought we were friends. Um, but yeah, they, they just do some stuff like that, and so you just, how do you continue to maintain anything, especially when you've called them to repentance, to stop it? 
Um, we had a guy over, or a woman, I don't know, on the Rumble channel who came in on Wednesday and they started things like, well, Tim, um, if you're going to be in reference with Jesus' words, he said the first to be last and the last to be first. And, um, and you call them the, the XYZ people. You know, my little intro. It's tongue in cheek. I probably, probably need to throw in a bunch of others. <laughs> Buddhists, Hindus, Zionists, pick, pick your thing. What, what, it's, 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 almost, it's almost as if I'm, I'm mocking the labels that everybody wants to take all the time. I, I don't know. It's kind of tongue in cheek. And so I say it like that. This guy comes in, or gal, I don't know, and they said, well, you ought to be calling the ABCD people so that they're first, so they'll be last. Now, for anybody who's read their Bible and knows what's going on here, you know this person is completely out of context. So I think this is the good, as the politicians want to say, teachable moment to go to the text and see what does the text say about the last will be first and the first will be last. What is the context? What's meant by it? And, what, and does it apply to my intro? And I'll just go ahead and tell you, it has nothing to do with my intro. You, it's not even an application for it, let alone an interpretation for things. But the person came in, and they were doing this with all kinds of scriptures on Wednesday's show. And so, you know, I, I cut people slack. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they're taught these kind of things. Maybe they're sincere. In the, I don't know. So I responded, and they just went deeper, digging the hole deeper. And they came in yesterday starting it. And when I said, because they went to somebody who had made a comment, and they said, why does Tim blah, blah, no, 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 don't be gossiping, don't, cite, don't try to divide the people up. That ain't going to work here. If I see it, and I know that's what you're doing, I'm going to stop it. And you can call it what you want. It isn't about being afraid either. It's about seeing what you're doing and putting a stop to it. So let's, let's just take a quick look at this before we get into our topic today. Matthew chapter 20. Um, <clears throat> has it. Let's see. You, you've got this parable that Jesus tells, and it's about the kingdom. I'm just going to read it real quick. We're just going to take a few minutes on this, and then we're going to pick up our, our main topic today, which I'm, I'm sure is going to be, how shall we say, probably for many it will be very exciting, and for others it will be very enraging. But if you want to call in, you're welcome to call in and comment, or if you've got a question or whatever, you can do that. We'll take your call. Agree or disagree. Okay, if you're sincere and asking some things, I'll be sincere and trying to give you an answer. 803-619-9855. 803-619-9855. I'll try to remember to mention it in the middle of the show in case somebody, you know, as you listen, if you've got a question or comment you want to make, just keep it to the subject, okay? This is verse 1, Matthew chapter 20, and this is what the context is. Now, Matthew 19 ends with that as well. For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is an householder. Early in the morning to hire laborers unto, unto his vineyard, and when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, does this sound like anything to do with the alphabet? Nope. Does it sound anything like to do with my intro at all? Like anything? Nope. That doesn't even start out that way. He's talking to of heaven. And he's hiring these laborers to work in his vineyard. He went out about the third hour, saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle, saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? 
And they said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was so when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. Everybody seeing what the context is here? <laughs> the last to the first, right? And what did he what what did what was he doing here? He was hiring all of them, right? And they began from the last to the first, and when they came, they were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. Or and the other portions, it's the narius, a day's pay. That's what the, they agreed to work for a day's pay, whether they worked the whole day or if it was the guys at the last hour, they all agreed to work for the same pay. Everybody got it? Okay, that's the context. But when the first <clears throat> came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. Why? Because that's what they agreed to, right? And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst, now, didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? And then he says, So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last, or first last, for many be called, but few are chosen. So he's talking about the kingdom, and what is, he, what is he really saying here? He's saying whether you were a person that God transformed their life and they lived their whole life, they suffered the, the trials and tribulations for 50, 60, 70 years or longer in their faith, and then you had people who come into the kingdom maybe late in life, but they were just as diligent with that small time that they had with their life, and guess what? The reward is the same. They both are rewarded with the kingdom of heaven. They're, they're rewarded with eternal life. That's what the context is. It has nothing to do about what I said at the first. So that's an example of some of the things that we deal with. Uh, you know, when, and, and Matthew chapter 19 also has it, and there's a context there that's very similar in that um, Jesus says it before, verse 29 of Matthew 19, and everyone, I'll just bring this up, everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. So it's, you've got the same kind of context here as here's, here's those who are, who are losing Everything. Some of them are going to, Peter's clearly going to lose his life later on. And Jesus is telling them, whatever you suffer for, it's going to be returned unto you. You know, later on, Peter said, to, said about John, well, what's about him? And, and Jesus is like, well, you quit worrying about John, you worry about you. Okay? That's the context. And <clears throat> so I did mute the guy for the rest of the thing because he was warned several times the previous day and I did give them time to understand what was going on, and all they did was mock and bow up at me, 
And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, but I want to clear it up as far as, uh, and I did that because Scripture teaches us to do that. If you've got p- people who coming in and they're belligerent about what they're doing, they're not there to learn, and they're certainly not there to equip or to edify, well, then they're there to divide. And that's exactly what was going on in the chat yesterday. And, you know, I can deal with people who disagree with me. That's totally cool, you know? I mean, how do, how do we teach one another and how do we learn if we don't ask questions and be persistent and, you know, even sometimes very firm and saying, okay, I don't get that. How does that work? But we can't, that's how we learn. Okay, so I have no problem with people learning. Um, I, think, I think that's great. I think it's good to ask questions. I think it's good to really press. But if you're going to argue from Scripture, you're going to have to go to the Scripture. You're going to pull out the context and you're going to have to say why you're taking that position. And I, I find many times... There are people, they don't, they don't know that. They, they just don't know what the context, they've been taught verses, they learn verses, but they never learned the context around them. Look, I was one. I learned a lot of verses. <laughs> Couldn't have told you what the context of it was to save my life. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I, I got this from our friend Bethany um, in, the, in the chat the other day. Uh, she posted something, and I, look, I don't, I don't know the, this lady, the transformed wife, um, I, I don't know her from anybody, okay? I, I, I really don't. So I'm not going to speak to her or any of this other. And I did read some comments when she posted this um, to where, you know, people are calling out this lady, the transformed wife, and stuff she's doing. Okay, I don't know. I'm not here to defend her because I don't know her. But I think what she's saying here is probably... It's probably true if you... Really pay attention. And let me just show you what she posted. Okay, it, was a, it was a Twitter post from this lady. It says, I'm thinking good men actually want this far more than they want the harlots that are available these days. A good woman at home cooking, caring for his children, happy as the man who has a quiver full. Psalm 127, verse 5. Now, you would think, <laughs> you would think that the Christian women who saw that would be like, amen. You know, that's, yeah. But, wow. I mean, you know, I, there are some people here who have some legitimate things with this transformed wife. I, I don't, um, they seem to have some of that. But then there are people who just attack the very concept of the woman's role uh, as a helpmeet to her husband um, and how she is to, uh, you know, be involved in this kingdom work with her husband, that they are, you know, they are together, that God has put them together in such a way that they are to uh, do those things which are pleasing unto him and bring him glory, okay? And that's with children, and that's growing a family, and that's the normal means, okay? If you're a person out there, God didn't give children, I'm not talking, well, I am talking to you, but I realize there, is, there are exceptions to the rule. Just, don't, just make sure you're not justifying your exception because of your disobedience. Okay, that's, that's the only thing I say. But if God hasn't given you children and you're just trusting Him with that, great. If He's given you one, great. If He's given you three, great. If He's given you 10 or 20 or whatever He's given you, you're to be faithful with those, right? That, that's the whole point. Trust Him with your life and with that of your family. All right, so we, we see that. So what then has the Bible, you know, we talked about men. And I think I can speak 
more clearly to men because I is one and um, I is a man. And so I understand certain things about men that I don't understand about women. But I would think that godly women or women that want to be godly, where they would want to derive their instruction from about what a godly woman looks like, they would go to the scripture, right? Now, I know there's been men who have taught really good biblical principles and then they've succumbed to temptation and you know their ministries are ruined. And I get that. That does not change whether or not they spoke truth or not. See, let God be true and every man a liar. So if we go over to, let's just start here. In Genesis uh, chapter 1, and what we'll see here is we'll pick this up and we'll, we'll do Genesis 1 and 2. Verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female, Created he them, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. It's really interesting. I'm just going to throw this out here. Man is telling us that they're trying to take dominion over the moon, and the stars, and Mars, and everything else, right? Is that what God gave them? Did he give them dominion over those things? No, he didn't. He gave him over dominion over things on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth and the fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, if we jump over into chapter 2, and I'm just going to jump down a little bit because he's telling you some details about what's going on and um, uh, putting man into the garden and letting him name the animals. This is all the context. This is just stemming off of there. And then we have God giving the command not to eat, verse 16, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but man can eat everything uh, else that's there. That's verse 16 and 17. And then... Uh, we read verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. So chapter 1 is telling you God's intent of what he did and his making of man and woman. And then chapter 2 is sort of coming back and he's, he, now he's got the man there and he's going to make the woman. So he brings the animals. He says this. He brings the animals to Adam to see what Adam's going to name them. Adam names them and then he says... But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. She came from man. Man's taken out of the clay, woman's taken out of the man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And so the Lord brings Adam his wife, 
specifically says she is to be a helpmeet unto him. They have a task to do, and that is to take dominion over the earth. They are to be fruitful and multiply. Do you know that's never been rescinded? That command has never been rescinded. It's never been rescinded. And I'll tell you, the people in this church have bought the lie that they too need to be going along with the same mindset that Margaret Sanger had. Oh, they'll, they'll talk to you about um, how bad she was and abortion and blah, blah, blah. She was the lady who brought in birth control, by the way. And I'm talking about pharmaceutical birth control. I'm not talking about if you abstain from one another during a certain time. Even as Paul says, you're going you're gonna to pray and fast or whatever. You know, you do it for a little time. You don't leave a door for temptation. But you, you've got the church has bought into con, trying to control births. Wasn't like that before. What came on? Eh, false teachers slip in, don't they? Oh, Tim, you know, people ought to be able to buy it. Okay, fine. You, I, I'm just simply telling you. The church has bought into it, and what's happened? You see the foreigners coming in. Do you see the foreigners having problem having children? Nope, they love having children. That's how they take over. Listen to what the Muslims are saying. They're going to outbreed the countries that they go into. Yep. Because they actually believe that's part of how they take dominion. That's how they... If Christians could get that back in their head, they they would just be moving light years ahead. Just that one thing. So God put the man and the woman together. They had a task to do. And what was that task? Well, that task was to take dominion for the glory of God. They were to live their lives for the glory of God. They were to have children and raise them for the glory of God. That's what they were to do. And that hasn't changed. You go to the New Testament and read Ephesians 5. See what you're going to find there. Husbands, you're to love your wife. You're to lay down your life daily. You're to be that living sacrifice before God for your wife. And wives, what are you to do? You're to submit to your husband. Why? He's going to give an account for how he's led you, how he's protected you, provided you. He's going to give that, not you. He is. You're going to account whether or not you're submissive and fulfilling your role in doing what you're doing in that being a helpmate. Okay, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. That doesn't make you less of a person. doesn't make you less of a woman. Oh, they promised them liberty while they themselves are the slaves of corruption. That's what 2 Peter 2 says. And we have all kinds of feminists coming along telling women, you can't be fulfilled as a wife and a mother. And then we get feminists who are wives and mothers, but they're not biblical wives and mothers, and they want to come at you too. And they want to justify that. I want to give you a couple of things, ladies, of what Scripture says about being a godly one. So, those of you who are really interested in this subject, you've already covered many of these, I'm sure. Okay? <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you have done so. Okay? So one of the first things I want to do is um, uh, go to probably one of the most familiar passages when you talk about women. And I'm just going to kind of hit it. I'm going to read it, let it say what it says, because I don't think it needs a ton of explanation here, okay? But Proverbs 31, these are the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him, okay? And so he lays out some things here as to some wisdom that he's passing on 
And it's about a virtuous woman, okay? And every woman that I know of who desires to follow the Lord, and you can see that as evidenced in their, their lives, the lives of their family and stuff, uh, they want to be a virtuous woman. They want be what, to be what God has called them to be. So Proverbs 31, beginning at verse 10, here's what he says. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Indeed. Yeah. You know, a lot of the um, home-educating moms, they'll often, you know, they run across it or they fill it out or they post it or something with somebody who takes and figures out what their worth is and they get chauffeur and cook and, you know, babysitter and all these other things. You know, they're worth millions of dollars every year, something, hundreds of thousands. Of dollars. They really are. You know, our wives and our mothers, their, their value, they're invaluable. It's far above rubies. Not they're the value of rubies. It's far above those. Verse 11, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so he shall have no need of spoil. He knows he, she's not going to spend his wealth even if he don't have a lot, right? <laughs> she trusts him in that. She seeketh wool. Uh, excuse me. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. That's how, that's how a godly woman treats her husband. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. So she's industrious too, guys. She's not a lady that sits around uh, in her moo-moo on the couch with her uh, uh, shower cap on, eating bonbons, watching soap operas all day. That's not what a godly woman does. She's industrious. And we're going to see some of that in some other people that we, we look at here this morning. She's like the merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. I mean, she goes out and she finds the best stuff. Now, I don't know if, if they were doing all kinds of stuff like they're doing today to the food, trying to modify it or any, I, I don't know. Maybe they were. But she's one that goes and finds the best of whatever she's got, and she's going she's gonna to bring it into her family. She cares for her family. She riseth also while it is yet night, while it's still dark, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She's got those young women who come to help her maybe even with her daughters as well. And they help clean the house and cook and take care of things in that time. Because look, let, let's, let's face it. Uh, you know, I was reading the story of um, Sergeant York. Uh, me and my boys used to do that on Sunday evening when they were little. And we were reading the biography of Sergeant York. And he was talking about how he had a, you know, he had a farm. Uh, the people of Tennessee actually bought him a house and some land after he came back from the war and he had a little you know uh, uh gosh we used to have it down here general store kind of deal and the men would sit you know and they're talking and things like that and then when it was lunchtime or dinner time he'd just invite whoever was there over to his house to eat with them all the time every day they, he was like that just all kinds of people coming into his house that he would invite very hospitable and the women in the house spent basically all day cooking and cleaning to feed everybody because they had hands, you know, hired hands on to help with the farm. And, uh, and I think about that. And here she is doing that, and she's taking care of those who are helping her with the daily administration of chores and things that take place in the house. This is what a godly woman, she is a manager. Okay? She's a manager. Let's pick it up again. Verse 16, she considereth a field and buyeth it. 
with the fruit of her hands, she planteth a vineyard. So what has she done? Well, she's been busy, we know, getting wool and flax and working and worketh willingly with her hands. You see that? She, she's been diligent in working and it's paid off. She's gotten a little money doing that. And what does she do? She takes that money and she buys a field and she plants a vineyard. Why? Because she's industrious and she knows when those grapes come in, she's going to have stuff for her family and she's going to have enough that she can sell some of it. Okay? Verse 17. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She's, she's a late work. She's up late doing what she's doing, making sure things are taken care of in the home. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. So she, she's obviously doing her own thread, her own yarn, wool, all that stuff that we read about the verse. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. So she is, she is a compassionate woman. She cares for other people in the community who aren't as fortunate financially or whatever. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes sure they're, they're warm and bundled up when it gets cold outside. She does that. She makes the coats. She makes the clothing. Verse 22, she maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Wow. I mean, she's, she's got it going on here. Tapestries? Clothing? Yeah, she, she doesn't want to bring uh, a disreproach on her family and her husband. So she makes nice clothing. She makes nice tapestries. And listen to this. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. Yep. He's known well too. And he's known... Because he's got a good wife, too. He's got a good helpmate. She's the one that women should aspire to be. Verse 24, She maketh fine linen and selleth it. See, she's industrious. She doesn't need to go outside the home for this. She doesn't need to go work for another man other than her husband. She's supposed to be, his, she's supposed to be her husband's helpmate. Not some other man. Verse 25, Strength and honor are her clothing. And she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. She is definitely not one sitting around on her tush, not doing anything. She is a busy woman. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, uh, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. You know, a woman doesn't, she doesn't it's, it's kind of like a man. It's very similar to a man. If you're doing the right thing and you're doing the good things, you don't have to tell everybody. Everybody will notice it. And that's what he's saying here. And if they praise you, make sure that you reflect that back up to the Father. You give Him the glory for what He's done in you. But that, that's in a nutshell 
I mean, what man doesn't want a woman like that? I can, I can tell you, my wife is very much these things. I've seen it. She is going from the time she gets up to the time she goes to bed. Taking kids here, checking the grandkids, washing the clothes, uh, reading a book, helping with some math, um, doing dishes, instructing you know, the girls and the boys of what they're to be doing and, and what they're to be about, sending them on errands, doing all these things. She picks up little things here and there for, for money too, but, but largely she's just been busy with those things. And now with grandkids, guess what? She gets to start doing what we're going to look at in just a minute in Titus. Start teaching those younger women. She's already been teaching my daughter for 20-something years now. And now it's very practical, the things that she has lived out before her and taught her. And, um, you know, I'm so thankful to God because, you know, you sometimes wonder, do they, are, your, are your kids getting some things um, in certain areas? And when you see it, you kind of go, I don't know, I don't know. And then all of a sudden... There's the Lord in the midst. He's bringing it back to the remembrance, those things that they, were, that they were taught, and you see them doing it. It's wonderful. It really is wonderful. Uh, let me give you an instance, because there were, some, there were some people on this post that Bethany had. And, you know, again, I, I get it. There are some people who, um, you know, had some problems with this lady, the transformed wife. I'm not here to talk about her because I don't know her. And if she's a bad lady, she's a bad lady. And if she's a good lady and people were rubbed wrong by her, whatever she's doing, I don't know. I'm not here to speak about that. I'm just here to speak about the godly woman. And so I'm going to the scriptures for that. Again, if you would like to call in, uh, comment, or question, the number is 803-619-9855. 803-619-9855. Please just stick to the topic. That's all I ask, okay? Stick to the topic and we're good. All right, so some of the, the people... We're pointing out some things like, well, you know, I had to work some jobs, um, still took care of the the family and this, that, and the other, and all these kinds of things. And you know what? Sometimes that sometimes those things happen. I'm not saying they don't. Okay, and they might happen for a, a season of your life, but don't justify staying in that season. Because the Lord tells us all kinds of different things about godly women. And, and industry is a part of a godly woman. I mean, it says it right there in Proverbs 31. But it says it other places by example. And I'm going to show you some of these. Um, but, but keep in mind who the woman is to be a helpmate to. She's to be a helpmate to her husband. Okay? A helpmate to her husband. If you've got daughters, they're to be helpmates to dad, to the one God has put in authority in that jurisdiction of the home. Okay? Dad's not to be a tyrant, but he is to be as, as God to them. He is to live out and hold to the command statutes and judgments of God when it comes to his children as well. But let's go to Acts chapter 16. There we read about uh, a lady who was seems to be very wealthy, um, she is religious by nature. She's, she gathers with uh, other women to worship the true and living God. In verse 13, here's what we see. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, celebrated of the city of Thyatira. By the way, to get this purple, I mean, they were having to get it out of a certain uh, 
uh, shellfish, if I'm if I recall correctly, they had to get this purple dye out of a specific shellfish, and so it was very expensive to do it, and um, yet. This is what she was doing, and apparently she was very, very wealthy uh, because of the industry that she was doing, but she was doing this out of the home. And so she was of the city of Thyatira. We read um, from there, that's one of the churches that were, had a letter written to it in the book of Revelation there, uh, which worshiped God, heard us. Now, remember, this is Luke writing. Luke is with Paul. He's a doctor. He's also a journalist, and he's documenting what all is going on. She worshiped God, and she heard us, me and Paul, whose heart the Lord opened. I want you to notice that, too. The Lord opened her heart. She didn't open her own heart. I know you've heard the people. They got Jesus knocking on the door, and they want to rip Revelation 3, was it 315 or something like that, out, out of its context. And they want to say, oh, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. If you just open the heart, well, your heart's dead. It's a stony heart. Whatever door it's got is stone cold shut. You got to have a new heart. But this is whose heart the Lord opened. How did he open it? She heard them. How does a man get faith? He has to hear the preaching. How's he going to hear the preaching if there's no preacher? That's what Paul says. And when he hears, he believes, right? They all go together. As she attended unto the things which are spoken of by Paul. In other words, she believed his gospel. She took in his gospel. And notice what he says. And when she was baptized and her household. Uh, I know some people don't like that, but she was baptized and she's the one who attended the things. Doesn't say anything about her household, but the household was baptized. And no doubt she probably had servants in there too, as well as children. She was baptized and her household. Why? I believe that's commanded. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You know, it's amazing to me Christian parents do the first thing and the last thing Jesus said. They won't do the middle thing. I, I, it doesn't make any sense, which is baptize their children, making disciples, right? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. She was baptized in her household. She besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. In other words, immediately... And I'm not saying she wasn't one who was hospitable before, but she's definitely hospitable to Paul and to Luke and, and bringing those guys in. And she brings them into the house and wants them to stay there. She wants to provide hospitality to them. And she constrained us. And she was compelled by her love for the message that they had given her, and she wanted to care for the men of God. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination medicine. So this is in the same thing. They're going out here, and they're still ministering these things. But I wanted you to see, Lydia's here, and Lydia is a woman who has been very wealthy before she came to Christ, and she now is converted and we're not told that she leaves off her industry. She's doing it out of her home. She's not doing it for another man. She's doing it out of her home. And she's converted and she takes care of, uh, of Paul and his missionary team. And then Paul and his guys are, are thrown into prison. They get out. And at the end of that chapter, chapter 16, notice what it says. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, 
They comforted them and departed. Kind of tells you that the brethren started to appreciate Lydia. They, they were coming around. These guys knew to go there uh, to her house. And she was hospitable to the people of God. Hospitality is, uh, is something there too, ladies. A godly woman. Titus chapter 2. This one is the one where I always seem to get the most, I don't know, vitriol. And I, I know why. It's kind of like when men are pressed with their duties and they don't want to do them. Uh, it becomes kind of the same thing. This is chapter 2 of Titus. We've been over this before. And Paul's given instruction to Titus that he's to give to older men, younger men, older women, and younger women. And he says, these things, verse 1, are the things which become sound doctrine. Okay, I'm not of the opinion that we just have to have our doctrine right, doesn't matter how we live, nor am I of the opinion of it doesn't matter what we believe, we just need to live right. Well, in order to live right, you got to think right, right? <laughs> Orthodoxy affects orthopraxy. Your doctrine affects your practice. Okay, So when he says, teach the things that become sound doctrine, they're, they're teaching doctrine. That is, doctrine is teaching. I'm being redundant there. They're bringing sound teaching to the people. What should that look like? For instance, if you have your child and you're teaching them how to do adding and subtracting, let's just make it simple, okay? What do you do? Well, first of all, they have to know their numbers, right? Got to be able to count them. And then when you're teaching them, you're going to teach them, let's say, subtraction. And you're going to say, okay, well, you got five here, and you're going to subtract three. So what do you do? And you kind of go, one, two, three. Now, how many does that give us? Well, that gives us two. Right. So you kind of show them, you help them to see what that is. When you have sound teaching that comes along, it tells you the practicality of what you're doing. The practical nature of why you've been taught what you've been taught is you live your life in a certain way. So, for instance, in verse 2, we've got the older men, the aged men. They're to be sober. They're to be grave. They're to be temperate. They're to be sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. That's what the older men are to be. They're to, they're to be taught to be that. And if they're not that, they need to be corrected. Now, if they're an older man than you, they need to be corrected as a father, the Bible says. You don't go up to them and start chastising them like a little child. You speak to them as a father, right? So, so what, about the, what about the women? Well, verse 3 tells us about the older women, the aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. I, they, they're, they're those who've been tried and true. This is, this is their character. Okay, this is, the, this is the older woman's character. Why? Because she is an example to the younger women. We're going to see that in just a second. She's not to be a false accuser. She's not to be a busybody and a gossip and running around telling lies. That's not what she's supposed to be. Her behavior is to become holiness, that which is set apart. She is different than the other women of the world. She's not given to much wine. It doesn't mean that she doesn't have wine. It just means she's not given over to it. That's not what she is. Kind of like the elder. We're seeing that they don't toil long at the wine. You know, the culture drank wine. There was nothing wrong with drinking wine, okay? But if you were given to it, that's a whole problem. She's to be a teacher of good things. 
What are those good things? Well, she's to teach the things that God has commanded. I mean, again, she is a helpmate to her husband to reinforce the teaching of the Word of God to her children. And we see that with uh, Timothy, for instance. Timothy has his grandmother and his mother, and what are they doing? And, you know, Timothy's dad's a Greek, and they're Jewish, and, you know, what, what, what are they doing? Well, they're teaching him the Scriptures. And Paul ad- admonishes them for that. He, he praises them for doing that. You learned this from your mom and your grandma. They taught good things to Timothy. Then we have verse 4. Now, this is where it gets tricky. This is where it gets touchy for people. Ladies, don't, don't shoot the messenger. Again, if you've got a question or comment, you, you're welcome to call in. Uh, love to hear from you. 803-619-9855. 803-619-9855. They're to be teachers of good things that they may teach the younger women. Who's teaching young women? The older women. I I have heard the women say, "Oh, I can't wait till the kids get out of the house, and then I can go do this, that, and the other." Um, yeah, the godly woman is one that when the kids are out of the house, she's looking for how she can come alongside her daughters or other young women and pass on to them and be a help to them. Maybe that somebody wasn't to them. I know my wife didn't have that a lot, but boy, she's that with you know with our daughters. Um, and with our grandkids, being a help, a, a source of encouragement uh, to them. Young women today, especially, they need that. They're being pulled in all kinds of directions. And they need that. And ladies, you godly women out there, you don't know the kind of blessing you will be to a young mother who wants to honor the Lord and just, she feels like she's overwhelmed. And you coming along, giving an encouraging word, say, I did it, you can do it, I'll be here Call me. Do you need help with the kids? Do you need somebody to talk to? Do you need somebody to come make a meal or something, give you a little break, help you with the house, whatever? Go be an encourager to them. You're to teach young women to be sober. They need to be sober-minded. They need to know what's right and wrong, the dangers, the pitfalls of all kinds of things, and you are one who has been through it by experience, and so you can teach it to them. You can tell them to be on guard about these things. Maybe there were things that you missed that you think are important, but you missed early on, but you've come to learn them. Now you can teach them. You may not know it by experience except by a failure in that area, but you can keep her from making that same failure, to be sober, to love their husbands. Oh, this is a good one too. Because what are we taught in the society? Talk about your husband, run him down. Same thing for men. They're, they're taught to, to talk down about their wives and their girlfriends and all this other stuff. That's what they're taught to do. You're to love your husband. You're, you're to be a part of submitting to him and caring for him and meeting his needs so that he can then turn around and be encouraged to do the same thing. He's got obligations to you. To love you as Christ loved the church. It's a pretty serious thing on both sides. Love their husbands. And to love their children. I was telling my boys the other day, I was sliding through the, um, one of the news feeds. And I, I told you, I could pull it up now. It's ridiculous. You open up a news feed and everything is entertainment. It's a singer. It's a movie pl- 
person. It's a person who read a book. It's somebody this, that, and the other. They've either died, they're doing a new thing, or whatever the thing is. It's all entertainment. It's like, okay, where's the stuff that affects my life? You have to really struggle to find it sometimes. But it's not there. And I, I told them, I said, it's, it's really crazy. I said, you see some of these people that you would, you would think should know better, but for whatever reason, they're walking around with their little boys all dressed like girls. Or their little girls dressed like boys. These quote-unquote celebrities. I, it's, it's absolutely, that's not a love for your child. How many of you have been in the store and you've seen the child pitching the temper tantrum about literally to drag their mother down the aisle because they're in the floor kicking and screaming and just acting like an animal? It's a lack of love by mom to not discipline them if she doesn't do that. My mom was like, give you this look like, you just wait till we get out of here and then when your dad gets home, you're really going to get it, right? That tended to straighten me right up. But here's what they're to do. Love their children. Love their husbands. They're also to be discreet. They're also to be discreet. You know, the Bible talks about there are silly women laden with lust. They're, they're going from house to house, and they're easy prey for false teachers. They're easy prey for false teachers. These women are to be discreet. They're to know when to open their mouth and when to keep it shut. And they don't go blabbering whatever else is going on in their home out to everybody else. They don't do that. They are chaste. They're keepers at home. Hmm. Oh, by the way, chaste. Yeah. A lot of moms out there claim to be Christian and all this other stuff. And they're, I got to tell you, in some cases, they're... <laughs> the one lady I noticed in Bethany's um, post there didn't like the word harlot. That is kind of the that is the contrast though that you do see in the scripture. Uh, you go back to Proverbs five and six, and you're going to see the harlot, and the young man is warned about her. Yeah, yeah, he's he's warned about her. Um, the the this this godly woman is chaste. She's not promiscuous. She's not you know running around with other men and flirting with them and things of this nature. She's also a keeper at home. And this is the one that always got me in trouble. It's like a compound word that's here. Oikos energeo means your energy is focused in the home. Oikos is the home, energeo, energy. Your energy is focused in the home. Now I can tell you that I taught this early on. Um, you know, it was right after Denise and I learned some of these things as well. And I taught it to... Um, our high school Sunday school class, because we were just going through Titus. I had a la lot of young ladies there that wanted, um, you know, families pushing them to college and all this kind of stuff. That's fine, but I said, here's the thing. More than likely, all of you in this room, boys and girls alike, you're going to eventually get married. Usually that's the norm. It is the exception to the rule where people don't get married. It's just the exception. You're going to get married, you're probably going to have children and all this other, and you're going to need to understand what God has told you to do. <laughs> so I gave that out, and uh, we went through this, and we talked about being a keeper at home and stuff like that. Well, lo and behold, I got called into the Sunday school director's 
office. He was a great guy. I, I had worked for him at one time. And he says, so we're getting some complaints about this, that, and the other, and you telling kids not to go to school. I, I didn't say anything about that. I said, while you have these plans, keep in mind, this is more likely how your life is going to go. And I said, if it does, then here's the instruction for that. And I showed him where it was. And he goes, well, can you talk with some parents? Which, by the way, the parents were all deacons. The men were deacons and their wives. And one of the young ladies uh, that was in there, you know, she was just really upset that I would say, you know, you need to be looking to be a mother, a wife, caring for your kids, you know, your primary energies focused in the home, all this kind of stuff. She was really upset about that. She came into the meeting. We had the meeting and they said, Tim, why would you tell us, why would you tell these girls this, that, and the other? And so I just read to them the text. I said, what does the text say? And they just ignored that. Yeah, but, but you can't be telling them this. We have planned out these, these kind of things, blah, 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 all this stuff. And we're sitting there, and this young girl who's been sitting there quiet, she's just steaming, just giving me the death look. I mean, lasers coming out of her eyes kind of stuff. And I just looked at her and I said, you know, I called her by name and I said, why are you so angry with me? And here's what she did. Here's what she did. She turned to her mother and she said, I want to go to school, get a job where I make lots of money, I'll have a kid, and I'm going to leave him with her, and I'm going to go back and make... I'm giving you... I'm paraphrasing, okay? These aren't the exact words, but this is, in essence, what she said. I'm going to leave my baby with, with my mom, and then I'm going to go back to work and, and earn money. And her mom was in shock. She was like... And I just sit there, and I said... I was kind of in shock that she said it, too. But I wasn't surprised, completely surprised by it. And her mom looked at me and she goes, well, wait a minute. That's not what I want her to do. And I said, well, look, lady, I only have her for like 40 minutes a week. You've had her for 16, 17 years. She's not getting that from me because you're fussing at me for teaching her to do what the Bible says and what you say you want. But at the same time, who's been teaching her what she just told you? I said, you guys have. They wanted to change that subject right quick. Well, we need to get rid of this, what you're doing. We need to teach from the Sunday school lesson. Friends, I was just teaching out of the Bible. I was just teaching, going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the scriptures. People don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear it. We're going to hold over just a little bit. i got a few more passages I'm going to bring you some attention to uh, for you ladies. And I hope it's encouraging and, and beneficial. It's certainly not with a heavy hand, I give it. But you can catch that, sonsoflibertymedia.com, Rumble, or before it's news, Bradley be with you at 3. Lord willing, we're going to talk to you in the morning, 8 a.m. Kate Shimrani, see you then. All right, want to welcome everybody coming over. But that's a true story. And they tried to get me to go back to go to their Sunday school literature, which I'm going to tell you, the, the, the stuff they crank out from Sunday school writers and stuff, for the most part. Now, i got to tell you... Um, the stuff that's used in our Sunday school up here uh, at the ERP we go to is very sound. But the stuff that they were cranking out for young people was absolutely, I don't know what benefit it made. And I told the guys, I said, quit buying these things. You buy them, you spend all this money on them. The kids don't take them home. They don't read them. But I said, we go into the text, they've, they've usually got their Bibles when they come in. Just save that money. Quit spending the money on things people aren't even taking home and reading. And if they are taking them home, they aren't reading them. But this one got me in trouble. 
because the deacons' wives were pursuing these careers outside the home under the authority of another man. And see, women aren't even thinking about that. They aren't even thinking that from the beginning, you're to be the helpmate to your husband. And when they go and do that, they're thinking to themselves, I'm helping my husband because I'm helping me. I get the, I get the thinking. I get it. But you're supposed to be his helpmate, not another man's. And I think these principles are in Scripture. Am I your judge? No, Jesus is. That's true. But I have to judge what the Scripture says about what's right and wrong, about what the instruction is. And so that's a part of it. Keepers at home, your energy is there. I remember the lady, um, after her daughter said those things that I said she said, she said, well, I'm a homemaker. I go to work every day, and then I come home and cook dinner and do the laundry. That's not what it's talking about. It says this is where your energy is. I'm going to tell you what we read out of Proverbs. I, I, I have paid attention over the past several years at our children as they grow up. And when it talks about her children rise up and call her blessed. I'm not proud of anything. Okay, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. I'm not proud of it. I am thankful that God used what we did, and in spite of what we may have left off, He was still very gracious to our children. They rise up and they call their mom blessed. They love their mom. They would do anything for their mom. They love her. And her husband praises her in the gates. You'll hear me talk about my wife, too. And she gets in there and she'll go till everything to get something accomplished. Me, it's like this floor. I've got the floor done. I had to run last night to get some of these little things so I can move things back into place. So you can slide them across the floor because I don't want it to tear it up because it is the cheapest laminate I could get. It's way better than what we had before, but it's still the cheapest one. And so you get these little ridges, and so I don't want stuff getting torn up. So i got to get these little pads so you can slide all the stuff on it without tearing it up. And so I'm hoping to get everything back in place and cleaned up and move to the next room and mess it up. But when I do it, because of my time frame of trying to get everything, my stuff is messed up for like a week. Um, so she excels at all of that. She excels in her love for her children and her love for me and her love for her home. This is what else a godly woman is. She is good. She's obedient to her own husband, not another man, to her own husband. And notice this, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Oh my goodness, what? Yeah, ladies, I'm just telling you. And I've heard the term legalism, legalistic. It's not really in the scripture. If you're a person trying to say, well, you have to keep this or you're not a Christian or you have to do that and you're not a Christian. Look, we are all at different places of sanctification. We're at different places of learning. We're at different places of our ignorance and our education in the word of God. And as long as somebody is moving in the direction they should be going, then you want to encourage them in that. If they're not, then they need to be corrected. But notice what he says. 
your older women are to be this way. You teach the younger women to do all these things, da, 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 that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, I want to ask you something. Seeing these two verses right here, four and five, ladies, are you doing those things? And maybe you fall into this category. Okay, so we'll just highlight all these. Maybe you fall into the older women category. We'll just get everybody. Are you doing these things? Let me tell you what Paul says here, that if you're not doing those things, you're going to give the Word of God, you're going to give people a cause to look at your life and say, wait a minute, you're not doing what God said because anybody can go in here and read exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And if you're not doing that, they're going to look at you and go, I don't think you believe what you say you believe. Do you understand how serious that is? When you go back into the Old Testament and you see David, one of the things that you see with David is that he gave the nations around him a cause to blaspheme through his sin, his disobedience to God. He gave the nations cause to blaspheme. They didn't really have a reason because God says he said what he said, right? His law is what it is. But because of his sin, the people saw it and said, Aha, you don't live what you say you live. You don't live the way you say you believe. And don't they do that to us? If you stumble, if you fall, if you sin, first, thing, first people on you. If the media can get a hold of it, they'll get a hold of it. Especially if you've been an outspoken person who's been promoting what God says. You, if you don't do those things, you give reason for unbelievers to go, you don't even believe it, why should I believe it? Serious. That's a serious thing. That's a serious thing. Also, this about women. 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. This is Ephesians 5. Uh, Paul had, had also said, so they're in agreement. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of, their, of the wives. Okay? So he's obviously talking about there's, there's a woman here, who's, or, or there's women here who have husbands but they may not be unbelievers. Now, what did Paul say about that? He says, are you supposed to leave them because they're unbelievers? No, he says, if they will live with you, then you live with them. Your children are holy because of that. Doesn't mean they're Christian. Doesn't mean they're born again. It means they're holy. They're separated. That's what that means. They're separate. How are they separate? Because they're in the covenant family. This is the thing we go back to uh, with Lydia in Acts chapter 16. Her and her household were baptized. If you can think of it this way, if it helps you a little bit, think of Abraham. Abraham had sons who were circumcised, Ishmael at, what, 13, and Isaac at eight days. But he also had 318 trained men in his household, and all of them got circumcised. They didn't come from his loins, but they were a part of Israel. They were a part of the covenant because they received the sign of that covenant. The same is true with your children. The sign of the new covenant is in baptism. That's the sign. The sign does not do anything to you. Except in the New Covenant, make you wet. That's it. Outwardly. 
That's what it does. So that's why we do what we do. But he's saying your conversation or your behavior, your manner of life may win them over because they see you believe what you say you believe. That goes back to Titus 2. You believe what you say you believe and you demonstrate it in your love for your husband. Verse 2, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. What kind of fear? The fear of the Lord, right? The fear of the Lord. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden manner of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price, or some translations say, which is precious in the sight of God. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, I'm not suggesting you fellas out there <laughs> tell your wives that they have to call you Lord or Master. And ladies, I'm not suggesting you necessarily have to do that. But I am saying there is this subjugation or subjection that you have to your husband because God has given him a certain authority in the home. Read that in 1 Corinthians 11 over the woman. He gave it also there. We saw it in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 that that's the authority. And the man's going to answer. He's going to answer for what he does. You will answer for what you do. And what your responsibility is, is to submit to that as a godly authority. Now, obviously, if your husband is beating on you, if he is uh, assaulting you, if he's abandoned you or any of that, these things don't apply, at least with regard to him. Um, those things are open for a biblical divorce. They, they really are. There are biblical divorces. And if you say, well, God hates divorce. Yes, he does. And yet he issued a writ of divorce to Israel. Why? Because of continued adultery. Continued adultery. Not they did it once and he was forgiving to them and they restored it and everything else. It was just ongoing and they just were unrepentant. But he tells the woman, focus in on that meek and quiet spirit. But he says this, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, if you're in the faith, why? Because you've got the faith of Abraham. Mm -hmm. You're in the seed of Abraham, the Lord Jesus Christ, Galatians chapter 3. Whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Notice that. Hmm. Yeah. What are you taught today? Ugh. Just... <laughs> If you're a young woman uh, and you don't have instruction from older women, man, I feel for you in this society. Girls are being taught to mutilate their bodies, have stuff pumped in their faces and other parts of their bodies because society have says this is what a woman should look like. And then you've got the attack that comes on their gender in, as well the plays to get them to be with other women, the things that, that lead them into promiscuity, some of these online things where girls are just selling themselves out. 
And they're going to regret it sooner or later. It's destroying their lives. It's going to destroy whatever family that they've, they've got. God has what is best in mind. This is why he says these things here. And so while the world is telling you to put more volume in your hair and put all these braids in and uh, tiaras and you know wear the big earrings and necklaces and lots of gold and fancy dresses and all this, God says, why don't you focus on what's most important, a meek and quiet spirit? You've got power, but you control it. You can be loud, but you'd rather just keep your mouth shut and do what God says. How many women are working on that? Hmm. How many women are working on that one? A woman is also called to be a means of defense at times. Yep, sometimes that's the case. What's funny is I was thinking about this one, and um, I've thought about some of these quote-unquote mama bears, right? You hear about the mama bears, right? Oh, they really gave it to the school board. Oh, they really told somebody. And the next day, they're, they're off. They're, they're telling how bad the school board is and what they did to their kids and other kids. And they go back the next day and send their kids back in there and say, I'm going to run for I'm going to run for the school board. Well, it's kind of I, I got to tell you, it's kind of like catching a pedophile in the act. And chastising him. And then asking him if he will babysit for you on Friday. Isn't that what that's like? It's the same thing. It's twisted. They're not mama bears. They're looking to be in the limelight. They're not looking with a gentle and quiet spirit that unleashes against enemies of their children and their families and their their friends' families. And then actually protect their children. No, no, there's something else. There's something else. What about when the bad guys come around? Hmm. Well, you guys remember General Sisera, right? Out of Judges chapter 4. By the way, I'm just going to read the context here because I get so many women as well as men who will call in and they'll say, you talk about authority and stuff like this, and you know the Bible talks about women being being quiet when the church is gathered. They're not to teach, and they're not to be in authority. Why? Because they were deceived, and the man wasn't. And But here's the thing. When men sin, usually they're not deceived about it. They're, they know exactly what they're doing. See, there's the difference there, and there's a lot more accountability there. And Deborah's one they'll point to. See, Deborah went out, and she wasn't you know, stay-at-home mom and blah, blah. They, they give all the excuses of the exception to the rule. All throughout the Scripture, what you'll see with godly women or godly women is they're at home with their children. They love their husbands. And they're taking care of things at home. Every one of them that you see, whether they're the woman who uh, in the Old Testament Elijah went to and she had lost her son, all these kinds of things, or whoever it was, they were in the home. That's what they were doing. And so verse 4 of uh, chapter 4 of Judges, this is what it says. And I want you to notice what Deborah does. Deborah is called a judge of Israel. That's true. 
but I want you to see how she did it. It was completely different than the men who are mentioned in Judges. In other words, Deborah goes to the man, the king, gives him what God, what he's supposed to be doing, and tells him he's got to do it. She's not going to do it for him. It's his role to do. Listen to what happens. And Deborah, prophetess, the wife of Lipidoth, she judged Israel at that time, and she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel and Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment, and she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinam, out of uh, Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw, draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river of river Kishon Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee. Notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor, for the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Mm. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and he went up with 10,000 men at his feet, and Deborah went up with him. Now Haber the Kenite, which was of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had uh, severed himself from the Kenites, and pitched his tent unto the plain of Zanum, which is by Kadesh. And they showed Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinam, was gone up to Mount Tabor. And Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him from Heresheth of the Gentiles into the river of Kishon. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor and 10,000 men after him, and the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his host and the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. Now, who went into battle here? That's right, Barak, not Deborah. She had a message for him to go do it, but he was the one that had to go do it. Howbeit Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Haber, the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Haber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to Sisera and said unto him, Turn in, my lord, turn in to me. Fear not. She's crafty, boy. I mean, she, she is slick here. Give him a false sense of security. And when he had turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. And he gave unto her, excuse, and he said unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. She opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him. Why? It's going to put him to sleep, right? Again, he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be, when any man doth come and inquire of thee, and say, Is there any man here that thou shalt say no? Then Jael, Haber's wife, took a nail of the tent. It's a big nail. It's a spike. 
and took an hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples and fastened it into the ground for he was asleep he was fast asleep and weary so he died and behold as barak pursued sisera jael came out to meet him and said unto him come and i will show thee the man whom thou seekest and when he came into her tent behold sisera lay dead and the nail was in his temples so God subdued on that day Jabin the king of Canaan before the children of Israel, and the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Jabin the king of Canaan until they had destroyed Jabin king of Canaan. So you've got two women in there. You've got one who's telling the man, the king, what he's supposed to do and comforting him, spurring him on to do it. And then you've got another woman here who takes... And she takes out the bad guy, just as God said would happen. And then in Judges chapter 5, it's almost like they're singing a song about their victory. And right in the midst of the song, notice what they say. Blessed above women shall Jael, the wife of Haber, the Kenite, be. Blessed shall she be above women in the tent. Hmm. Tents. Women in the tents. Women in the tents. Titus chapter 2. Keepers at home. Keepers at home. This was their home. He asked water and she gave him milk. She brought forth butter in a lordly dish. She put her hand to the nail and her right hand to the workman's hammer. I don't know what kind of music they were putting this to. That was kind of a, that would be kind of interesting. And with the hammer she smote Sisera, she smote off his head, when she had pierced and stricken through his temples. And at her feet he bowed, he fell, he lay down. At her feet he bowed, he fell. Where he bowed, there he fell down dead. The mother of Sisera looked out at a window and cried through the lattice, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the wheels of his chariots? Her wise ladies answered her, Yea, she returned, answered to herself. Have they not sped? Have they not divided the prey to every man, a damsel or two, to Sisera, a prey of diverse colors, a prey of diverse colors of needlework, of diverse colors of needlework on both sides, me next of them that take the spoil? So let all thine enemies perish, O Lord, but let them that love him be as the sun when he goes forth in his might, and the land had rest forty years. It's interesting, isn't it? Here was a lady taking, she's protecting her household. No question about it. She knew who Cicero was. Might be the akin of coming out on the back porch and finding somebody trying to kidnap your kid. And you just reach right back inside and grab your shotgun and take out the bad guy. It'd be the same thing. Yes, men are to be the protectors. I really believe that. That is, that is our duty. But women protect too. When men are away from home, yeah, mom, mom's got to be, she's got to be a tough gal. She's got to be able to protect. She's gentle and quiet, and she is meek, which means she has the ability. You don't want to tick off mama bear. I mean the real mama bears. You don't want to tick them off. Because what happens if you start messing with the cubs of a real bear? Oh, they get a little upset. Now, they get a lot upset. They will come kill you over that. We have a lot of stories at gunsinthenews.com 
my son posts, and some of these stories, it's really kind of interesting. I'm amazed at the number of bear attacks that happen. Uh, and usually guys out there with something that isn't going to stop the bear. That's the thing. Um, you need a real heavy load to take out, you know, stop the bear. And it's amazing to, to see some of these stories. But here we are. Here we are. There's a lot of other places I could go. I go to 1 Corinthians 11. We can talk about authority. We can talk about that submissiveness, what it looks like in different cultures. It's going to look different in different cultures. You know, even 1 Corinthians 11, it talks about the woman having her head covered. And I do believe God has given... Women naturally grow... Their hair grows longer, faster, usually, than men. It does. And I think Paul lays out there that God gave them a covering for their head. But he also admonishes them there to wear their veil. It's a sign of their submission to their husbands. And I want to tell you what. I've seen women that probably wear little things on their head or veils and stuff, and it's almost like they're doing it out of this piety thing of, look at me, and it kind of comes off with that aura. And there are women who do it, and they're quiet, and you watch their mannerisms as they're there, and you're like, okay, they're not doing that. That's not being done for show. You can kind of see it in the attitude they project. Am I saying you got to wear a veil? I'm not saying that. But I'll tell you this, in whatever culture you're in, if that is a sign of your submission to your husband, I don't think you ought to be killing women over it or beating them or throwing acid on them and stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about, right? But women, you need to understand what shows forth that. And who are you seeking to please, yourself, or are you seeking to please the Lord? And that, that really does become the, the, the real question that you have to ask. Are you looking to, to please yourself, or are you looking to please the Lord? Because a lot of this liberate women's liberation uh, and things... By the way, uh, I mentioned this, the, the um, book by R.L. Dabney on secular education, which you can get... I think you can get over at Amazon now. You can get the paperback now. I think it's about six bucks, four bucks if you want the auto... Uh, the Kindle version. But he also had, he wrote a, um, a piece on women's suffrage. Now, for those of you who think suffrage is, oh, I'm in pain and agony, it's not what that is, it's women's voting, that's what it is. He wrote on that, and he logically followed out what would be the result of that. And it's exactly what we're seeing today. Women being lied to, just like they were lied, just like your mother was lied to in the garden, and told, if you do this, your eyes will be open. You'll be as gods. He, he knows this. You, you'll be better for it if you do this. He always, that's what he does. And he does it to men too. If you'll just do this, it'll be better for you. And he gets women to think, they're the ones who should be in authority. Who knows better? I'm the, I manage the house. I do all these things. I'm worth all this money. I mean, you were talking about that, Tim. I'm worth all this money because I'm a chauffeur. I'm a cook. I'm a babysitter. I'm a nurse. I'm a, all these kinds of things. And then what happens is that starts to creep in and that lie that Satan has injected into the midst of the truth begins to appeal to the flesh. And then the woman, before you know it, she's still doing all the outward things here. But now she's got the mindset that she's doing it for her rather than as unto the Lord, as a helpmate to her husband in taking dominion over the earth. I know, look, I know. The deceit can come in. It really can. And this is why we're constantly being put in remembrance of these things so that we can repent. 
Tim Brown has no desire for exposing people, this, that, and the other. I, I don't. That's not what this is about at all. I didn't take a lot of these comments here and some of the things where ladies tried to justify things. Although I saw people trying to justify what they were doing. And by the way, I'm just going to tell you, I went to some of these ladies, I went over to their Facebook pages because I thought, okay, they're saying they have a hard time making ends meet and this, that, and the other. What are they putting on their social media? Beach trips, um, expensive houses they live in, really nice cars they drive, but they got to be out of the house to make the ends meet. You see what I'm saying? They got to be they got to be working for another man instead of their husbands to make the ends meet. They can't be at home with their children. They have to send them off to the public indoctrination centers we call public schools so that their children can be indoctrinated by their enemies. The ones that want to destroy them and their families. Do you see what's going on? And you can see it. You can go over there and you can see some of those things. Not all of them, but you do see some of them. We need godly women just as much as we need godly men again. Maybe this message here has been a long time coming. We need godly men who stand behind their godly men. You've heard. You've heard exactly how it's been said. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. What's that saying? Mom, whatever you're doing and putting in with your child has the potential literally to change the world. It really does. And behind every good man is a what? A good woman. And I don't even like that term, good. Behind a godly man is usually a godly woman. Let's put it that way. Let's give God the glory for what he does. That's the way it is. And now the question is to you women. Do you want to be a godly woman or do you want to be something other than that? And only you can answer that. I have no authority to come, you know, drag you off and to do all kinds of things to you because you don't want to be a godly woman or you don't want to obey the Scripture. I don't have any authority for that. But I do have authority from God that that's what He said that you should be. And we see the fruit of that. We see how it comes about. And so, uh, you know, I pray this day that you will uh, uh, you'll find your glory and being the woman God's called you to. You'll love your husband. You'll love your children. You'll be a keeper at home. You'll be industrious. And you'll be a light in your community that others will see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Bradley will be with you at 3, and then Lord of Women will be back with you in the morning, 8 a.m., bright and early, with Kate Shimarani. Talk to you then.